I'm preaching on awakening hope today, and I was asking myself that question, man, where, where is a time in my life where I didn't feel like I had any hope? And, and I look back and I say, hey, I didn't take me long to think about my freshman year in high school. And, you know, everyone, like, you kind of look back and you're like, there was that one year in school where it was just like the, the worst. Some of you guys are like, yeah, that was, that was every year. Like, it was all bad. But I, I can look back and I remember it just kind of all culminated in my freshman year in high school. When I was 12 years old, my parents split up. It was, it was really, uh, really dramatic and really ugly. And... Um, and being the youngest of three, 12 years old, trying to figure out, like, what just happened. And then my mom take, starting to work two jobs to, to, to make things work. And over the, case of, over the next few years, just things seemed to get really worse and worse. And I feel, I remember thinking, like, I, I went into this spiral of losing hope. And I, and I um, compare it to what God does. And I'll do that in a second. But I, but I see myself having bad Bad uh, circumstances. My parents split up. Man, I barely got to, I, I didn't feel like I was connecting. I mean, it was high school, freshman year in high school. People, are, friends are being stupid and, and trying to figure out people are being, people are being jerks because people are jerks. That's, that's just how life goes sometimes. <laughs> and um, that was the most random amen I've gotten. I just have to say that. People are jerks. Amen. Um, but, uh, but I got all these bad circumstances, and then that led to me losing hope, which led to me making stupid decisions, which med- led to uh, worse circumstances, which led to me losing hope, which led to me making stupid decisions and worse circumstances. And I remember just this feeling this downward spiral, uh, this uh, reverse snowball effect, if you will, of bad decisions and bad circumstances and losing hope. And, um, and I remember, I never seriously considered suicide, but I remember writing in my journal, and I remember saying, writing this question out, and I said, would anybody really care if I was gone? And I don't say that to, to like, make you feel sorry, but I, I say that just to let, be transparent and let you know that I was authentically wondering, man, did, would anybody really care if I was gone? Does anybody, and, and I just had zero hope. I had zero outlook. I felt like I had no purpose. I felt like there was, why am I even here right now? Because, and would anybody really care if I was gone? And I want to tell you today, the main, commu- main piece of information I want to communicate to you today is that hope changes everything. That hope changes everything. Man, if you want, if you, if you want to have hope, you can get through anything. I, I absolutely, you could be in the worst set of circumstances today, but you have hope. Man, it does not matter what your circumstances are. If you have abounding hope, you can get through anything. Your circumstances can just be awful, can be so dismal, can look like everyone's looking at you like, how are you surviving right now? But if you have hope, it doesn't matter. Because a lot of us have hope based on our circumstances. Man, life is really good right now, and I just have hope. But what about when those circumstances that you cannot control turn the other way and you are in circumstances that are just hopeless? The answer to that is that that passage I just read is the God of hope. That the only place you can find unconditional hope whose circumstances never change. God's circumstances never change. God never changes. And so he's always going to be the God of hope, abounding in hope. And so regardless, no matter what your situation can be, if you have 
an abundance of hope that comes from God, if you have a channel to God, if you're in communication with God and you're intimate with God and he's pouring into your life hope, you could be in the worst circumstances, but having hope, you can get through anything. Hope changes everything today. So, so hope, let me define it a little bit, is in, in the best way I, I like to, to word it, is, is to expect something beneficial in the future. And some of us today have, have lost hope. We're not really expecting anything beneficial in the future. We've kind of come to grips with how things are, and we're saying, man, nothing's going to get better. Things may just get a little worse, but nothing's getting better. Some of us have lost hope in our, maybe our careers. Some of us, some of us lost hope in our marriage. Some of us have lost hope in our relationships. Some of us have lost hope in your kids. Some of us have lost hope in our, in our dreams that we aspired to at one point in our life. And I think some of us have just lost hope in ourself and we're not believing in ourselves. We're not expecting something beneficial in the future for ourselves. But hope is the most powerful mindset you can have. How do, you, how do you get this mindset? It's from the God of hope. You get this mindset by the power of the Holy Spirit that abounds. We just read that passage. That hope changes everything. And so my prayer again is today that everyone leaves here abounding in hope. The passage wouldn't say that if it's not possible. The passage wouldn't describe God as the God of hope and the Holy Spirit pouring into our lives and overflowing with hope. I want to let you know that if you're hopeless today, if that description fits you and you're feeling hopeless about a certain situation, the God of hope is here today ready to pour in hope into your situation, ready to change your mindset, ready to to open your eyes to his perspective and see and and just download into your brain hope. And that's my prayer today. So we're in this series called Awakening. And we, and we just felt like this is the word for 2018. We wanted to see an awakening happening in our church. Every year we have a word. Last year was breakthrough, and this year we're just believing for an awakening to happen in us and then through us. The theme of this that we're saying is that, is that an awakening needs to happen in us before it can happen through us. We want to see an awakening happen in our city, in our community, in our world but I believe that it starts in the epicenter. It starts in, right here in this room that an awakening happens through us and hope is awakened in us and then that hope is overflowing and everywhere we're going, people are, people are receiving hope. People see you and are encouraged with hope. And so, um, so today, so we're in this, and with this, we're doing this 21-day fast. Could you just raise your hand if you're part of this 21-day fast and you're just being encouraged by these emails, hands going up? Now, here's what I want you to do right now. Throw that slide. There it is. So if you want to receive an email every morning just with an encouragement, a devotional about our 21-day fast, here's what you do. Pull out your phone right now and text the word FAST, F-A-S-T, to 345-345. Really simple. And, the, and then you'll get signed up. You'll receive a, a te- reply message, and you just text back your, your email address, and you're signed up. That's simple. Do that right now, and every morning you receive uh, an, or just an encouragement, a devotional from part of our team. Spoiler alert, my wife wrote the devotional for tomorrow morning, and it's amazing. Um, she's got a, a major gift. Um, but, and then also every day at noon, we are going live on Facebook and Instagram. So we'd love for you to join us there as we just have five to ten minutes of prayer um, just, just via social media. Um, and here's the, here's the overview. Last week we talked about faith. We started the series off. We talked about awakening faith. And then today we're talking about awakening hope. 
And then some, next week we're talking about awakening love. And then on the 28th we're, we're, is Vision Sunday. And we're celebrating five years of, of uh, five-year anniversary as a church, Project Church as a whole. And man, God's done some big stuff. Let's celebrate with, with uh, what God has done in five years. And man, it's going to be great. We're, doing, we're going big. You're not going to want to miss it on the 28th. We're doing some crazy stuff right here on Sunday morning and then Sunday night at 6 p.m. at the Crest Theater. Both campuses are coming together and just worshiping because that's what Project Church is, is all about. Five years, we're just going to celebrate and worship Jesus that night. It's going to be awesome. So I encourage you to check that out. This, pass, this uh, series is based on this, this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. 13. It's often called the love chapter. It's often read at, the, at a wedding before someone gets married. And it ends with these things, this, this phrase in verse 13. It says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. And, and these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now we're talking about love next week. So the greatest is next week. So you don't want to miss the greatest of the three next week. But you know what I thought was funny is I've always heard this passage and I'm like, all right, faith, hope, and, but the greatest is love. So I've always like read the passage and be like, I don't really need faith and hope. The greatest one is love. So that's all I need to worry about. But it says that these three remain. So obviously faith and hope are very important. And I realize that I've been negligent and ignorant about that, these two important things, faith and hope. So today I want to talk about awakening hope. And, and, um, and next week is about love, so I want you to come for that. And I want to look at the story of Nehemiah. And as I shared, shared about my hopeless situation, I want to look at how Nehemiah took a hopeless situation, absolutely hopeless, and how he responded in a way that produced hope. And my prayer today is, as, as we look at this passage, we would realize how to look at a hopeless situation. Whatever we're in right now, you're in a hopeless situation. In the next few weeks, you're going to experience a hopeless situation. How to look at that and turn a hopeless situation into an overflowing with hope situation. Because that's exactly what Nehemiah did. And so Nehemiah was in a, in a hopeless situation. He, was, he was, became aware that the, city, that the city of Jerusalem and that the walls that protected it were in rubble. That the walls surrounded, that the strength of the city was in rubble, because, and they were open for attack, that the city was, was, in, was hopeless, and they were, they were in constant fear of attack. They were in constant fear of their families because the walls were in, in, in rubble. And, and his, here's the position Nehemiah was in. Nehemiah was, was in a position where God, I believe, just had him pre-purposed and, and planned to be in this situation. He was the cupbearer to the king. And so basically, I was thinking about this. I was like, maybe he was kind of like the bartender to the king, right? Because he literally served the, the, the king wine. And he would just, that was his job, just bring a cup and he'd bring the wine up to the king. Now, sometimes he got to taste the wine to make sure it wasn't poison. That's kind of cool. I always joke around with my daughter and I'm like, she asked me like, hey, why are you, why are you testing all my cookies and stuff? And I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to keep you alive. I'm testing to make sure they're not poisoned. She just kind of looks at me like weird. I'm just like, hey, I'm just doing my job as a dad, all right? Um, and so that's what he got to do a little bit. But he was in a position that you'll see was God-ordained as a position to, able to, to, have, to be able to talk to the king, which was able to, to propel the vision of what Nehemiah had planned. So the city of Israel was in a hopeless situation. And, and the walls of Jerusalem for over 100 years 
were in rubble. They were open to attack. They, this was not good. And, you, and we, in, these, in these four chapters, we see how Nehemiah took a hopeless situation and that, was gone, that was over 100 years in, in that hopeless situation and in 52, ta- 52 days rebuilt that wall. And it is amazing, and I take so much encouragement from it, and my prayer today is that we will, we will have this same mindset as Nehemiah had. And so he, I want to just tell you, this is how Nehemiah did it. This is how we can do it in our lives too. How to awaken hope. I'll, and remember today that we have baptism. So what we're going to do is I'm going to share these, share these words um, share these, from Scripture. And then right after we're done, we're going to sing a worship song, and we're going to bring out the baptism tank right here. And we're going to celebrate big with uh, these three individuals that are getting water baptized today. Um, But here's how to awaken hope. It starts with praying with great expectation. Remember, I I used that word hope and defined it as to expect something beneficial in the future. To expect something beneficial. And so praying with an expectation. Praying with an expectation and a trust that God is going to do something. Man, I could look back at times in my life when I, like, just prayed something and just kind of prayed it out of obligation versus the times I prayed something with expectation. And it's a major difference. I could see it in my life. Now, I'm going to go back to, back to that story where, where I was in a very hopeless situation, a freshman in high school, and just wondering, would anybody care if I was gone? Would anybody care if I was gone? And so as a freshman in high school, I was just experiencing this. It was that, that spiral, that downward spiral into an into a even deeper, hopeless situation. And, and I want to tell you some good news. I mean, in case I'm obviously right here, um, so you can kind of tell how the story ends. But I met the God of hope soon after that. In between my freshman and sophomore year, I just felt something. And this is an interesting story of how I came to know Jesus. Is I, I, No one invited me to church. And so people were not doing their job because I knew some friends that, were like, that went to church and this is how I, I was like, hey, I just feel, I had this feeling in my gut that's like, hey, man, I feel like I hope, I'm in a hopeless situation. Maybe God can help. Maybe God. And so here's what I did. I knew a friend. I was actually good friends with this, um, th- this kid that went to church. And so I straight up, he never invited me, but I called him up. I'm like, hey, what time's church? So who is this? It was like, it's Lauren. What time's church? And, I, and he said, 7 o'clock. And so I rode my bike out to church on a Wednesday night. And I gave my life to Jesus. And I prayed, and I remember it was, in a, it was, a, it was said, it was, it was at a church. And at the end of the service, he said, hey, if, does anybody want to know Jesus? Does anyone want to pray with me to know Jesus? I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's why I came here. Some, ki- some, some of those high school kids were just coming because that's where the pretty girls were. I came for Jesus, y'all. And, uh, I, and he said, anybody want to know God? I'm like, yeah, that's me. And I went up, and the youth pastor was there, and he prayed with me. And I remember praying. I prayed with an expectation because I needed help. That's, that's why I'm here, and I'm not just praying to do something. I'm praying because I believe God can change this because I'm in a hopeless situation. And I met the God of hope. And that, that started to churn in me. That, that, that downward spiral started to, started to go the other way. I started to feel hope. I started to see, even though, man, my situation still isn't that great, I started to see beyond that. He changed my perspective, and that's what he does. That's what he does when we pray with expectation. You ha- you're in a you're in a situation that is hopeless. What is your first response? Is it to complain? Is it to make a stupid decision like I kept on doing on that downward spiral? 
Or is it just to go to God and say, you're the God of hope. Lord, fill me with your hope. Give me your mindset. Give me your perspective in my life. What is your first response? Because Nehemiah, it shows it as his first response here in verse 4. It says this, as soon as I heard these words, it says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He's right after he heard these words, he, heard, he got the report. Hey, the, the wall's, the wall's in, in just a pile of rubble right now. And he was so he, he was so burdened by this. It says he wept and he mourned. But then also with that, he continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And the last part of this really shows how confident he was in God. In verse 11, as he continues his prayer, it says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. See, sometimes we pray and we're just like, hey, God, I hope you could, you know, figure something out. But he prayed so boldly. He said, hey, give me success. I want success. That's what we pray about with Project Church. Project Church, the, the vision, what did I just say? It's not about getting a, growing to a bunch of people. It's about leading people to find life and freedom in Jesus. And we spent this morning, before you got here, we spent a time of prayer. We were praying over every seat. And we're praying, God, let there be success. Let people find you today. And that's, that's what we want to be as a church. That's the value where we're saying we're praying with expectation because there's power in prayer. And so he knew success came from God. He was bold enough to ask for it. So when you, what is your first response when you look at a hopeless situation? Is it to complain? I know that's my natural response. That's my instinct. That's what I want to do is to be like, really? But, but Nehemiah, he just says, wow. And he just got on his knees and he just wept and he mourned and he cried out to God for days, it says. What is your first response? Because prayer, because hope starts with prayer. And that's, that's I, I line up both of my stories and I see the downward spiral and I see the upward spiral. And, and it starts with prayer. The, the first step to hope is just calling out to God. It's nothing, and you don't have to know the right words to say. You don't have to, to, to you know, talk like someone else, you know, that you've heard in church. You don't have to read New King James and say a lot of thous and these. You just need to talk to God just like I'm talking to you. If you're hopeless and you're in a situation, all you have to do is cry out to God and say, God, I do not like my situation. It's okay to complain to God. Absolutely okay. It's okay to say, God, I don't like my situation. God, this is a horrible, I'm, I'm in despair right now. This is a hopeless situation and cry out to him and say, God, your word says that you're the God of hope, that your Holy Spirit can fill us and overflow us with hope. So will you do that for me today? Will you, and pray with expectation and say, God, I'm believing that you can do that. That is where hope starts. If you're in a hopeless situation, call out to God with expectation. Number two is this. Dream with expectation. Because I believe the more you pray, the more you dream. Just as a result of praying, God's going God's to give you more dreams. You start praying for your friends, you're going to start seeing, you're going to start having more dreams and aspirations about how you're, you're going to get your friends, your family that don't know Jesus to know him. See, here's, here's the next, next uh, section of my life after I found the God of hope when I was 15 years old. Going into my sophomore year, I said it was between my freshman and my sophomore year in that summer, and I found Jesus, and I came back to my sophomore year, and I, I walked into the school, saw hundreds of kids, and all I saw was that was me a few months ago. All I saw was, was kids walking around, and they were hopeless inside. They, didn't, they were in a hopeless situation, and they needed the God of hope. 
And so I started to, to pray for my friends. I started to say, man, God, all these kids are walking around my school, and they need Jesus. And they need to know the God of hope. They need to know the same God that I encountered. And so I started praying for these friends, and I started to dream. And I said, man, I want every single person at my school to know the God of hope. And that's what resulted. More praying and caused it into more dreaming. And more dreaming, I was like, man, I need to pray more. And it just, it's, a, it's an upward spiral. And the hope just increased as I saw my friends starting to show up and, my, and having conversations with, with kids at my school about Jesus and about what God's done in my life and sharing my story with them and how that happened. And then my senior year rolled around as I continued to do this. And my life was kind of like, or everyone they asked the question in senior year, like, hey, what are you going to do with your life? And I kind of felt like it was like an oh, duh moment. I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do with my life. This is what I'm passionate about. I want to dedicate my life. I don't want to do it on the side. I don't want to do it just a little bit here and there. I want to dedicate my life to see people find life and freedom in Jesus. And I said, what am I going to do with my life? I want to be a pastor. I want to dedicate my life to people, to finding life and freedom in Jesus. Now, that's a specific call that God has for you. That's a specific call that you need to hear from God on that. And, there's, and God can use you just as much as he's using me in your workplace as he does me being the pastor. I want to make that absolutely clear, that there's no hierarchy. There's no, no God looks at me better than he looks at you because I believe that you can read, and I know God can uh, through you can reach people that I can't. And so I want to make that clear. But God called me, and I felt God saying, look, I want to use you as a pastor. And I just became so passionate about this dream of just dedicating my life to seeing people find life and freedom in Jesus. And, the, and that's what happened with Nehemiah. He, he started praying, and all of a sudden this dream came about, and he approached the king and asked the king, which he would, he would never do. But as he was coming and serving him a drink, he said, and, and the king actually noticed. The king noticed. He's like, hey, you look, you look sad. You look different. And Nehemiah shared with him because he's so distraught about the situation. He said, oh, king, the situation is that the walls are in rubble. The, the walls are broken down, and this is not a good situation. And so he then shares. He asks for permission, and the king grants permission for, to get the supplies he needs and he, and he shares with the officials in Nehemiah 2.17. I wanted to share how he shared his vision. In verse 17, he says, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us rebuild, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of God that has been upon me for good and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. Man, that, do you see that dream, what that dream did? It spread hope. It spread hope from one person to every single person who heard it. They just heard this and said, look, the walls are in ruins, and we, got, we can do something about it. And every single person, look, they responded with saying, let us rise up and build. A dream often starts from you seeing a problem. Nehemiah saw a problem, and he was praying about it, and that turned into a dream. See, that's exactly what happened to me. I was, man, like, I see a problem. I see these kids in my school walking around, and they are, they are hopeless. They don't know the God of hope. So what am I going to do about it? And I started praying about it, and God started speaking to me about it, and he started showing me how I can do something about it. And I want to challenge you. Sometimes we try to, like, ignore those things that we see that bug us. But sometimes the things that bug us is put there by God. Those things that are bothering you, those people that you see that bother you, it's like, man, those, those people need Jesus. Yeah, and, and God's stirring that in your heart for a reason. Man, situ and other dreams, 
that go all the way into the business realm that you see a need for. I believe wholeheartedly that God puts business dreams in your heart. And because you see a problem, don't ignore that problem you see. Because I believe that's often put there by God. And when you respond, when you take that problem to God, praying with expectation, he'll turn that dream into a reality. You share that dream and people will get on board with you. That's what happened with Nehemiah. A dream often starts from you seeing a problem. And so hope produces dreams too. It's contagious. It's an upward spiral of praying, of dreaming, and producing hope. Last thing is this, is he stepped forward with expectation. See, that's, that's the last part of my story, and I shared this because it was 10 years ago this month that I made this big step, and I moved, uh, moved to Sacramento. And it was, a, it was a big step for me, but I was so confident. I literally packed up every single thing I owned into my 1995 Isuzu Rodeo and drove from my hometown, Susanville, California, to Sacramento, California on January 2nd, 2008. And I praise God for that, man. And it, it all fit. I didn't have a lot of stuff. It's like mo- my mattress took up most of the space, all right? And, um, and everything I own, and I remember thinking, man, this is such a big step but, but I, I thank God because, man, God honors those big steps of obedience. And if the keys could come back, well, that was, that was a quick response. Did you see that? You on it, Michael. We see that prayer of expect, expectation produces a dream, and that dream produces action, produces a step forward, produces you to, to say, like, calls you, beckons you to step, take a step forward. What did Nehemiah and, and, the, and his crew do? They all said, let us rise up and build. So he planned it out. He said, you guys are going to build this. You guys are going to build this. Let's start doing this. Let's start moving forward. And what happened? He said, people started coming at him and opposition started coming. People, other cities, other nations and tribes started coming in and taunting them. They were saying, man, that wall is going to fall over and a, a little fox is going to walk across the top of it and it's all going to tumble over. And they were criticizing, and they were trying to get in Nehemiah's head. But he had the God of hope. When you have the God of hope, when you have hope that's abounding, it doesn't matter what other people are going to tell you. Because, man, with your dreams, with those things you have, the aspirations you have, people are going to tell you, hey, you need to, what are you doing? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because people told me that. Packing up my stuff when I was 18 years old and moving down here to be a pastor. Like, what are you doing? People told me that, and I just said, hey, haters going to hate. No, I didn't say that. But maybe I thought that. I don't know. That song wasn't out yet, so I don't know. Um, but, I, but, I, but I had hope. Like, it, was, it was, didn't matter what people, people told me because I had, and nothing could, could shake me of this dream that I had because I had hope that came from God. He put that in me, and I, was, I remember feeling so confident, and it brought me back to it, and I was so encouraged because it just re-energized me, rethinking about that. Nehemiah said, look, in verse 14 of chapter 4, he says, And I looked and I arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. He was talking about the haters. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He was just continuing that dream, and he was saying, Hey, we're going to step forward so you can have a dream. But you need to step forward. And often my failure is dreaming so much and not doing anything about it. But Nehemiah was decided to step forward with great expectation and believing God's going to do something. And, I, and I've seen God be so faithful to me. 
man, I didn't know how I was going to get paid. I didn't know how I was, God was going to provide. I didn't know God was going to provide me with a wife, but hey, he hooked it up. And in this 10 years of being in Sacramento, I praise God for that. Biggest blessing in my life. Side note, sorry, getting distracted. But I see, I see how God was completely faithful. And I see how when, and, and when you, he, you have a dream, when God puts inside of you a dream and you have that hope, man, nothing can stop that. So here's what I want to challenge you with. We're, we're closing right now. Here's what I want to challenge you with is this idea of where, where are you at on that chart? And do you feel like you're in a hopeless situation? Do you feel like God's starting to put a dream within you? Do you feel like God's put a dream within you and then it's started to, you've, you've forgotten about it because you didn't feel like it was possible? You didn't feel like there was hope with it? My prayer is that the God of hope will fill you. And fill you with, with abounding hope. Fill you with joy and peace, as his word says. And then that will cause you to pray more. That will cause you to dream more. That will cause you to step forward. Because you are the vehicle of hope. You, you know that, this, that the church is the hope of the world. That Je- Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. But we are the vehicle for that, for that hope. We are the one shot. There's, we're plan A, B, and C. There's no plan. There, we're it. The church and the church isn't talking about a building. The church is talking about people. The church is talking about you. You are the hope of the world. You knowing Jesus, that, that knowing the God of hope, filling you up. There's people in your life that need hope. But I believe some people here need hope. Here's what I want to do. I want to challenge us in wherever we're at in that, in that ream of, of thinking, of saying maybe I'm, I'm, I'm in a hopeless situation. or Maybe I've given up on my dreams. Or maybe I just need to step forward with my with with my dreams.